there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. Tonight, we're going to be breaking down the Texas Tech versus Baylor Bears game that wrapped up a little while ago. I'm your host, Spencer, joined, as always, by Michael. Hello, everybody. That was a heck of a finish to um, what was a pretty defensive first half and turned into a very thrilling double overtime uh, game, which, as most of you know, ended up in a Texas Tech loss, thirty-three to thirty. Yeah, for a game that was picked um, for the home team to win by double digits, to go into a double overtime. Obviously, there, there are a lot of positives. There was a lot it was really exciting. I don't know if I could have taken any more excitement, my heart, but. <laughs> I mean, there are some of us out there that that need that extra little bit. Um, and I'm telling you, you guys can do that by visiting our friends, my bookie. Um, like I said, I don't know if I could have taken any more excitement, but it's just a way to add that much more to the game. Um, regardless whether you've been doing this for years or you're just looking to get started, First time my bookie is your best bet this season. Yeah, if if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. And if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. You've got to use promo code chair C H A I R to activate the offer. It's promo code chair to double your cash. Yeah, visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. So if you had the chance uh, when we first talked about mybookie on the podcast earlier this week to take tech with the points, uh, you would have at least gotten a little bit of change in your pocket after today's loss. It's never good to to experience a loss, even if you do uh, win on the financial side of it. But this was one of those games that you know, you and I both predicted that Tech would cover. We we both yeah, predicted I, like a four-point or a seven-point game, but I don't think either of us thought it was going to be 6-3 at halftime and then go into double overtime. No, for sure. And I, like I said, I like you were saying, um, I thought you, you would win this game. If you were positive in the turnover margin, it would probably have been in that seven-point range. Or if you had lost the game, about seven points. Um you end up losing by three on basically like a walk off. You're going to borrow a term from baseball. Um, and I don't, I don't know where you want to start. You want to start in the first half and just in general that like six, three start. Cause that was, it was not pleasing to the eye. Sure. And sure. Then, yeah. We, we can go with that. It was, uh, you know, we brought it up in our, in our Slack chat and Labar mentioned it too. It's, I know a lot of people 
use the word boring for that half and everything, but I still thought it was exciting because there were a lot of defensive plays, and that's what Labar was saying too. Is that was uh, sometimes it can kind of get frustrating to see teams score sixty something points back and forth because you just almost feel like, oh man, nobody can play defense or can stop anybody. But that first half, these teams were really uh, going at it. And I think my favorite stat of the first half was not only did Charlie Brewer get his uh, first interception of the year, but I believe he threw two of them in the first half. He did, and it was like within four pass attempts. That's right. He was (laughs) – Two of his four pass attempts were uh, interceptions. That's right. Yeah, for sure. So you finished the half. Texas Tech had 182 total yards. Baylor had 117. Um, you had 112 passing yards to Baylor's 53. You had you Texas Tech had a lot of penalties in the first half. Five penalties for 54 yards. Baylor had four penalties for only 32. Um, you were four for nine. On third down, Baylor was one for five. Uh, you had run 41 plays to Baylor's 26. You had a significant time of possession advantage, 19 minutes to 11. Um, you were minus in the turnover margin, however. You were minus one. You had three turnovers yourself. You had forced two turnovers from Baylor. But that game, I mean, like with all those stats, you would think you'd have a little bit more of a, a lead in three points. Second half, though, everything changes. Um, the team's trade scores in the f- beginning of the third quarter. Um, let me see. So you had 182 yards in the first half. You had 160 yards in the, se- in the third quarter. <laughs> Baylor had 117 yards in the first half, 178 in the third quarter. Yeah, and that will uh, that will definitely be a, a different type of atmosphere and a different type of game uh, when you come out of the second half and you're blazing away like that. I I didn't really expect that to to happen so fast. Where you know your your drive summary in the first half was here it was you know Tech started out with the ball so uh, it was punt 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 interception field goal interception interception field goal fumble punt field goal missed field goal i mean it was just it was pretty rough uh, you know if you're just going by it uh looking at that I, I think watching the game was was more interesting than than just reading there but then you know they come out firing there's you know three touchdowns scored in the third quarter alone and those are on three consecutive drives baylor tech then baylor scored another one yeah when, when you scored your first touchdown um one it was it was a response to baylor's first touchdown uh they had a, a large return to start the second half only had to go 36 yards they scored a touchdown then you took the ball 89 yards in five plays in just under two minutes to score um and then you know it was back and forth um with stops and, and, and all that kind of stuff there until the end. Baylor kicked a field goal. No, sorry. You were up. 20, I'm, I'm losing track here. Baylor was up. Sorry. 
17-13 there in the fourth quarter. Um, you end up getting a stop there with four and a half minutes to go. They punt, kind of pin you down to the 12. And I half-joking said it on, the, on our Slack chat. I was like, here comes an 88-yard game-winning drive. <laughs> right. And they go nine plays, 88 yards, and two minutes and 42 seconds. So you didn't use all four and a half minutes of the clock left. You actually left about a minute and a half. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. We, of course, being the pessimists we are, is like we left too much time. But that last score, that last play where you scored was a 30-yard gash where um, Sir Roger Thompson went off to the right. Um, you had the deep safety kind of get screened off by the umpire there in the middle of the field, and then he was just free for 30 yards. Um, whereas had you not scored on that long of a play, obviously you would have taken more time off the clock. You would have needed to have scored a touchdown. Um, and then Baylor gets the ball. They have they start the drive off weird. They take possession of the ball at about the nine yard line. They had a like a block in the back call that that pushed them back a little bit. Very first play of that drive, you get a sack. Eli Howard sacks Charlie Brewer back inside the one. He very nearly had a safety. Drive him back. Um, you force Baylor to take one of their timeouts on the very first play of the drive, leaving them only two, two timeouts about a minute 20 to drive 99 yards. And they, the to- the drive total ended up being 89 yards because they ended up hitting a field goal. I think they had a first, first and goal from the two or three, whenever it was when they kicked that final field goal. Um, yeah, I think it was from the five. And I don't, there was, only one positive defensive play on that drive, and it was the very first play we got the sack. From then, Baylor had a long completion to their running back, Tristan Ebner. There was a drop, but he was open. Then Baylor drove down the field. There was a questionable call on the sideline where it looked like the receiver did not complete the catch and bounds and that his foot was coming down half in, half out, but there weren't there wasn't enough video to overturn the call. It was called a catch on the field. I mean, yeah, it's possible he scraped his toe in. I mean, and it, there's no, it was just like well, you said, it, it wasn't enough to definitively turn it, uh, turn it over. 
well, the, the rules analyst for Fox, Dean Blandino said, if it's determined that even if, if like half, half of the foot comes out in bounds, but in a normal stepping motion, any other put, any other part of the foot touches out of bounds, he, the receiver is considered out of bounds. So there was one of his feet, his toes were inbound, but he put his heel down. He was out of bounds. This was the same kind of thing that happened to Texas tech at Texas in Austin, like 2007. I think it was Jordan Shipley did this in the back of the end zone. The rule hadn't been clarified uh, by that point. Um, anyways, there's not enough evidence to turn it over. Better continues the drive. Uh, your defense is gassed. They can't stop, you know, um, I can't stop anything. Get down. Um, Baylor nearly scores a touchdown to win the game in regulation, but uh, Denzel Mims dropped the ball. He was open at the pylon. Um, ends up seven. I, I, I had a question for you on that next play, okay? Because they, they pretty much ran the exact same play again, and Adrian Fry was bear-hugging Mims the whole time pretty unapologetically. I wonder if that was with you know, with only 10 seconds left and that was second and goal at the five. And you were right. They did kick the field goal. I think at two at the two yard line because of that penalty that was half the distance to the goal. Do you think that that was the game plan? There was Patterson or maybe Fry just knew that, Oh, well, even if I get pass interference on this call, it's really not going to matter. At least it won't be a touchdown. I mean, it's possible that they could have been like, you know, interfere if you have to, but don't let them catch the ball. Um, because he had his arms completely around him. I mean, it wasn't even a – it was a no-brainer to me that they had to call that, and it but almost what, seemed intentional. And then when you realize that it only cost him three yards and because of how much time was left, their only choice was to kick a field goal, that it was kind of maybe the best <laughs> the best play they could have made at that point. And I don't doubt that it was a penalty, but the official standing two feet in front of it didn't call it. Which then brings you're in, right. In the, the guy question, in the back of the end zone called it. Brings into the question some of the officiating, which I think we'll we'll touch on, especially when we talk about overtime, because the dude standing right in front of it, of course, he may have been blocked out um, by the by the Baylor receiver, so he may not have been able to see the interference. Um, but that was a questionable call. the The replay guy was buzzing down, seemingly like every other snap. One was on a punt return. They said they were checking to see if his knee was down. It was nothing was even close to his knee being down. Um, and he just gets some weird calls or no calls in, in both directions. Um, and then on the very first play of, of overtime, Baylor's center snaps the ball into his own leg. Texas Tech recovers the fumble, and then it's blown dead as a as a snap infraction or an, an illegal snap and because i can't let it go i've been i've been doing some research on snap infractions right. there's nothing i can find on there that says that the ball has to go through his legs to the the backfield it just says that, that he can't pick up the ball yeah and move it he can't move the ball forward he can't start a snap and stop and then try to snap again um, the video I saw just, I don't know how he did it, but he, like I said, snapped the ball into his thigh. Like he's trying to go too high with it or something. I'm not sure. 
bounced off his own leg. It looked like a good snap, except he hit himself with it. And the Texas Tech defense recovered it. What should have eliminated Baylor's scoring drive in the first overtime. Right. Dean that Blandino drastically changed the outcome of the game. Possibly. No, for sure. The again, the rules expert Dean Blandino said everything that he sees like this is a this is a fumble. It should have gone to Texas Tech. I'm sure the league office is going to hear about this from Texas Tech. I'm I don't see how how that can be considered an illegal snap. I didn't I didn't see anything that that would have said that he had started or stopped or I haven't found a rule that says it has to go completely through his legs. Um, Bailey takes that little bit of momentum, rolls down, ends up scoring, I think, two plays later. Um, Texas Tech does respond in, in first overtime to tie the game at 27. Um, what did you think about that pass to Vasher? Because, honestly, I don't think Vasher had possession of it. I think he had there was more of a case to overturn that catch than there was to call an illegal snap. I agree with that. I mean, I think Vasher that way. he was going down, he um I think it even kind of touched the ground. I was very surprised that that call stood. I was obviously fine with it. I was glad that that Tech caught a break on that. Uh but yeah, that but I, I'm not going to harp on it too much either but i think the illegal snap deal something blandino mentioned too um was that i think there has to be something to do with does the ball leave the center's hands and in this case the ball did leave the center's hand and then it hit his leg had it had he just snapped it directly into his leg but somehow was still holding on to the ball i think that might be considered uh, some sort of illegal snap or snap infraction or whatever you want to call it. But I think part of the case he was making was that it had left his hand and then hit his leg. So it was a live ball. Excuse me. But yeah, back to Vasher. I really, I was not, I was not a hundred percent sure he had that. And I think there's probably some Baylor fans out there that are pretty upset about that one. Well, and the other thing that I've heard about the process of a catch is the ball can touch the ground. It just can't help in like, it can't aid in possessing the ball. Um, it looked like Vasher had like nothing change on his grip of the ball when it hit the ground. It, like he didn't pin it. He didn't use the, the ball touching the ground to secure the catch. It didn't bounce back into his into a firmer grip. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it could have been overturned when, when Duffy let go of the ball and I was kind of trying to project where it was going. I was like, there's no way Vash is going to get there. And oh, that was amazing that he, I don't know how he, uh, reached out there and, and got that. It was an amazing catch. No, for sure. Um, so th- there were some questions in our, our Slack chat. And I want to ask you this. What was your thought there? Having, scored the touchdown and going second in overtime, scoring the touchdown, the decision there to either kick the field goal to ex- or the extra point to extend overtime to second overtime or to have gone for two. Like what are your I thoughts was, there? You know, I was okay with, with uh, going for the extra point and I can get the argument on going for two. I, I really can, but you could even look back and say, well, 
had things gone slightly different, Tech had a fumble in that first play. You know, they had a fumble recovery and had a chance to kick a field goal and probably win the game. But so maybe that's kind of what you're thinking is the defense can um, maybe they can generate another turnover or something, even though that turnover had nothing to do with the defense. They just happened to be there. But I, I wasn't as worried about that. I think the the other question that got brought up later about whether or not Tech should have kicked the field goal in double overtime is um, is probably more where I'm I'm not quite so sure. You know, I was probably seventy five percent on just go ahead and take the extra point and and play for double overtime. But I'm more forty sixty on the field goal decision there. I, I kind of wish they would have just gone for it on fourth and two and and tried to get into the end zone because I that would just have made it that much harder on Baylor to try to do that. Yeah, I I can kind of see where you're coming from. Um, in game, I didn't even like consider going for two there. Um, hindsight here, which is you know all you know all that we have. Going into overtime, I didn't really feel great about Tech's chances. It felt like Baylor had all the momentum. Um, it didn't help when what should have been a turnover in the first play was just a five yard penalty for Baylor that was quickly erased by like a thirty yard catch and run. Um, it didn't feel like the longer overtime went, your chances were going to get better. So I, I could understand wanting to go for two there early and just be like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not messing with this. We score. We're going to either win this game or we're going to lose trying. Um, I was a lot more like, it, it seemed like they, the, coaching staff Wells and Yost were set on kicking a field goal in the second overtime before they snapped the ball on third down because it was third and long and they were in a draw and Thompson nearly got the first down. He got 12 yards back. I think he was short a little yard. I, I think he, the spot was short. Um, regardless, going first in an overtime period and only kicking a field goal, you, you've got no leverage. Oh no, not at all. Especially when your your defense has not it's been your defense had been getting more and more exhausted and tired and fatigued as the game went on. So kicking a field goal in the second overtime and then saying, defense, I need a turnover to win the game felt like a lot. Granted, I, I know that you just had kind of forced one in the period before that. Charlie Brewer was probably not going to throw you a fourth interception. Man, even though that third one he threw was just a, gosh, it was just a terrible, terrible throw in the end zone. Well, so was his, uh, like his, his he, first he one was bad right too. in the hands of three guys. Yeah, so his first interception that Evan Rambo caught, and I had this thought in the pregame show when we were talking about Rambo, I was like, where has he been the past few weeks? And he shows up in quarter number one with an interception. Um, that one was bad. The second one I, I was a little like better in terms of interceptions because when he threw it, Douglas Coleman had his back to, to the quarterback. He didn't see the, the ball being thrown. He was covering his man and like turned around at the right time. And the ball just, he was able to make an adjustment and catch that. But yeah, his first and third interceptions were bad. So I, I guess you can kind of see like he's made some bad decisions going into the game. 
it's hard to pin your hopes on winning a game on. Let's see if he'll do it again um, for yeah. a fourth time. I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm frustrated about like a lot of things tonight. Um, and I just, I don't know. I mean, Keith w- w- was let, let us have some optimism in the Slack chat, and I, 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 I can appreciate that saying, you know, you went on the road and you took a, a ranked team that was you're supposed to beat you by 11 points to two overtimes. You lose by three. Like, this is a first year coach. There's some positives there, and there, there definitely are. But I think when you ended up, the way the game went in regulation and you taking the lead with a minute and a half to go, you should have won the game. You should not have won, given up a 99 yard drive essentially with 90 seconds for Baylor to tie it and force an overtime one. So that that's on you as, as a team. It shouldn't have been left to the officials to screw up a, a snap infraction call and wipe away a potentially game altering turnover. I just, I don't know. There, there, there's a lot of negatives for me to, to to look at and say I I don't feel good about this loss. Yeah, that that last drive was tough because all they needed was a field goal, and so I mean, as soon as they cross the forty, that's kind of that means okay, we're we're talking overtime here, and of course, you know, I think that was Mims had a huge gain on that drive, and uh, oh, I forget the other kid's name their other good receiver Ebner well he only had two catches on the day but one of them was on that drive and I think it was for 27 yards so that one that drive hurts a little bit I think one of the things that that bothered me the most was two of Brewer's interception we tech immediately threw an interception themselves yeah didn't take advantage of of those turnovers and that was something we talked about last week and how it was fortunate that it didn't really come back to to bite tech but this week it really did because it was such a close game and to get to have an interception you know just gifted to you and then you just throw it right back to him and for that to happen two times in one game and it ends up being a three point game at the end. It, you just know that that was one of those things that you really wish you could have back. And I think, you know, that last drive, yeah, that was pretty rough to watch and to endure. But man, I, I really think if tech had taken advantage of those turnovers, we would have a, we'd have a different outcome. No, for sure. And that's something we, we talked about in the pregame show too, is when Baylor's giving you the ball or if they give you the ball, if they go on, scoring droughts you need to take advantage of it you hold them to three points in the first half you should have scored more than six you you held serve with them basically in the second half um i mean they, they outscored you 17 to 14 so that last field goal which shouldn't have been kicked to tie the game um you had opportunities to win this game i think that's where i'm most frustrated is is that going into the game expecting a loss and and picking a loss and then it being competitive and you having a chance to win the game late is more frustrating than it had you just lost by 10 points. Yeah. And I think it was, uh, Kyle pointed out earlier that I believe tech had three drives in the red zone end in, end in zero points. 
And I think that was one of them. I don't know if that one was technically in the red zone because I believe Duffy was on the 21 when he threw the interception. Um, and that one, that one hurt the most. You know, the second interception that Duffy threw, it was right after Brewer threw his interception in the end zone. Tech got the ball on the 20. And they marched down and they were on a – this was the eighth play in a drive. It had only taken – you know, a little, not quite three minutes off the clock, but it was a long, you know, sustainable drive as far as most of us are used to seeing eight plays. And, and then that was just an interception that really hurt, but I don't want to pin it on Duffy or anything like that, but I think that was a tipped one. So those are always kind of a, a free for all when those happen, but that was what I was disappointed in seeing, you know, getting into the red zone, um, not taking advantage of the turnovers, and then, of course, giving up that last drive that guaranteed uh, a chance at overtime. Yeah, so you had an 11-play, 61-yard drive that ended on a fumble. That was Thompson's fumble when he hit the back of Travis Kuntz. You had um, a 7-play, 58-yard drive that ended on downs, a turnover on downs. Um, you had an 8-play, 59-yard drive that ended on on the 21, you're right, with an interception. So you had two drives inside the red zone, one a yard out, and in zero points. Yep. On, on the bright side, we can talk about uh, a couple of individual players who I thought really did well. I mean, overall, Duffy did okay. Uh, it seems like he was just making one read and then tucking the ball. Uh, didn't seem like he was going through his progressions as methodically as he was last week. He got a little bit better in the second half, but he not finished, much. He finished the day 31 of 42 for 362 yeah. yards. So it's greater than 10 yards a catch. Um, if I had a calculator pulled up, I could tell you what that looks like. But 362 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. One was a tipped pass. Can't really fault him for, I mean, you can, but it's a whole lot less on him than the first one was where he threw it. He did what Charlie Brewer did on his first when he threw into it, into coverage where he didn't see the guy. Yeah. A couple other bright spots, of course, Sir Roderick Thompson. He was your number one running back. I mean, not even close. Rigdon had two carries. Shine had one carry. Of course, Duffy had some carries himself, but Sir Roderick Thompson, our guy, 28 carries, 153 yards, five and a half yards per carry, two touchdowns. Uh, really mm-hmm. was one of the bright spots of the day, along with senior transfer R.J. Turner, mm-hmm. who erupted for seven receptions, 138 yards. That came out to 19.7 yards per catch, including that 79-yard catch where you thought he was about to get tackled and then he made a move at about the 30 and then completely crisscrossed across the across the field and got brought down at, I can't remember, I feel like it was inside the five or something. Really made some great catches. Um, and, you know, I I think up until this point, he'd had four, three or four catches was his most as a Red Raider so far. And he, uh, he found he found success on on one play really. There it was yeah. It was the same play like one that had that seventy nine yards, but that same play had been called in the first half on a third and long, and he like erupted for fifteen yards. It's like I made a note of that. I said we should run that more. 
Because <laughs> right. it was a sideline screen, but what had happened, the offensive lineman had just enough time to get out in front of him, and R.J. Turner is a lot more explosive than I had ever seen him on that play. Blew through the first 10 yards in a flash. He, like you said, yeah, caught he seven. Was... Go ahead. Sorry, man. I was going to say, he caught seven passes on eight targets. He was uh, he was hauling them in, and I'm not sure why Royals was out there some. I don't know if Vasher was kind of – I think Royals was out there for almost a whole series, or at least Keyshawn Carter was. I think Vasher was kind of in and out, but I'm not sure mm-hmm. what was going on with that. I don't know if there was some injury or just something they were – some coach's decision or what. But, you know, speaking of Thompson earlier with those 28 carries, he also had five receptions. Uh you know, only 24 yards, but he was, he had the ball in his hands a lot. And, you know, he did have that fumble that was just kind of one of those weird instances where you just run into somebody and lose the ball. Uh, but, you know, offensively, there were definitely some bright spots. The first half, of course, I think Tech and Baylor would like to have back on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, this especially good to see RJ Turner. Uh, you know, produce as much as he did, and and maybe that'll be somebody that that Duffy can lean on in the future. Yeah, I, if you look at the receivers, the only one that you could say had a had the worst day would be McLean Mannix. He caught two passes on six targets. Everybody else caught basically everything that was thrown to them. R.J. Turner seven catches on eight targets. T.J. Vasher six catches on seven. Sergeant Thompson five catches on six targets. Eric Ezukanma, four catches, four targets. Dante Thompson, two catches, two targets. Keyshawn Carter, two catches, two targets. Like, only one that dropped multiple balls really was McLean Mannix. Everybody else had a fantastic day on the receiving end. Sir Roger Thompson obviously had a great day running the ball. I don't know the last time you had a Texas Tech running back run 28 times in a game, but I want to see more of it. At five and a half yards of carry, give that man the ball. Um, yeah, guy was running. I I was really impressed with him, and especially with Tejon Henry being out. And I'm still unsure why there maybe have been something that came out that I've missed. But I knew that he was he was uh, in street clothes before the game, so I'm I'm unsure why I wasn't able to play. But that was what was even more surprising about the fact that it wasn't Shine and Thompson; it was just Thompson today. Yeah, and, and Shine got one carry. Yeah, for negative one yards. It, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It just kind of an interesting decision there at the running back position, but it seemed to really work out today. Yeah, so you want to get into the defensive guys or you want to go into some thoughts? Well, I mean, I feel like we've, we've got to mention the defensive guys a little bit because our guy Douglas Coleman now has six interceptions for the year. Currently leads the country in interceptions. Leads the Big 12 in... Um, I think he's, how many does he have? Is it four? He's got four during Big 12 play now. Yeah, four during Big 12 play. Um, He had eight tackles today. Jordan Brooks had eight. Demarcus Fields had seven. Uh, I I was, Rico Jeffers, who only played the second half, had six. Uh, I was really impressed with with Brooks, of course. Brooks was making plays on Brewer. They did kind of use him as a bit of a spy. And there were some chunk plays that, had Brooks not been there, uh, Brewer would not only have picked up the first down, but maybe like an additional 10 yards or something. But Brooks would come out of frame. 
I remember I can't remember what play it was in particular, but I didn't even see Brooks until he had flown through the air and, and tangled up uh, Brewer's legs and somehow had brought him down. He wasn't even in the frame when it started. Yeah. Um, the stats on CFB stats haven't been updated, but Douglas Coleman going into the day was leading the country with five interceptions. Of course, he has an, another one. He's got six averaging an interception per game. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad, not a bad stat. Um, so Kyle Lang says, so fumble or snap infraction? I'll hang up and listen. Sure look like a, look like a fumble. Look like a fumble to me, and then look like one to Mr. Blandino. And um, yeah, that one's gonna that's gonna sting a little bit. You're gonna have to look back on that one and kind of think what if for a little while. Yeah, it, that one's. I'm not sure. Like, you can't obviously go back and change the game, but like, even if the Big Twelve acknowledged that that was a fumble, like it wouldn't help anything. Yeah, I don't even know if I would want them to because it would almost <laughs> it would almost make you more upset, you know. So, really quickly, going into the game, Texas Tech as a defense had six total interceptions. You add the three, you're you're tied for nineteenth with six with um ooh a bunch of teams. Um, Wyoming, Wisconsin, South Florida, Florida International, Coastal Carolina, Texas A&M, Minnesota, BYU, Tulane, Notre Dame, Alabama, Tennessee, Eastern Michigan, San Diego State, Virginia Tech, Nevada, Massachusetts. Anyways, there's a long list. Add today's three interceptions to that. You jump up to nine interceptions and you move into fourth place. That's a good place to be. Keep them coming. If you look at defensive stats. Um, Red River Reset, man. I think every question is going to be about the illegal snap. I'm really impressed with the defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel kind of the same way we did at the end of the Arizona game, where you felt the defense played enough, played well enough to win it, but just some some really key drives at the end of the game. In this case, not just the end of the game of regulation, but also into overtime that that really kind of left a bad taste in your mouth. But they held this Baylor team who, as we talked about before, is a very streaky offensive team, but they still kept them out of the end zone until the third quarter. Yep. Um, Jay Wade Howard, tech fans, colon, three interceptions, Raider power, also tech fans. We needed a defense, fire somebody. <laughs> so I definitely had some of those same sentiments. Yeah, it was great to get the three interceptions. But also, if your defense will then break and give up 99 yards to, to tie the game with as time expires, it's like it, it's kind of hard to, to not just be like, okay, but the three interceptions got you in a good place, and then you couldn't stop, you know, you couldn't stop anybody. Yep. Yeah, it hurts. There were times, and that's the frustrating thing is it felt like when you came out in the third quarter, you you forgot how to tackle. The the drives that Bailey was dry, like moving the ball on, you had guys there to make the tackle and you weren't. Whereas in the first half, it felt like you were there, you were making the stops, keeping them from moving the ball the way they did in the second half. Matt Campbell's curved bill. 
how many flaming bags of poop will you send the Big 12 refs for the travesty of a fumble negating call? Question. Question mark. Well, the at Big 12 refs um, parody account, I'm sure, is loving all the attention tonight. Yeah, I haven't been over there. I, I bet you they've had a couple of things to chime in. Sure. Tyler Timmons, best I felt after a loss in a long time. I, I'm not I'm not with you there, Tara. Sorry. This team gets it. We're going bowling, boys. Um, yeah, it's possible you could. It's just at three and three, you've got to win. Obviously, you need th- three more wins. You still have Texas on the schedule. Um, I, you probably feel pretty good about a majority of what's left. Um, if the defense plays decently similar to what you did today, minus the long back-breaking drive there at the end, assuming you can tackle people consistently, you can continue to create turnovers, and your offense doesn't go anywhere. It feels like a lot of ifs. Yeah, you should feel pretty good about Kansas State, Iowa State, TCU. West Virginia. West Virginia. Everybody else. So, um, Redwood Reeves, man. So he says something that I think we've all agreed with and said before. Another hot take: Redshirt Bowman this year. Duffy's doing a doing a more than good job this year. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think uh, the longer that Bowman is out and the longer that Duffy performs the way he is, it makes sense to redshirt Bowman and save another year of eligibility for him. Then to bring him back two thirds of the way through the season and have him kind of get back up to game speed. Um, whereas Duffy feels like he's already there and you just continue to roll with him. And then obviously with the positives of saving a year of eligibility with the red shirt to me, it makes a lot of sense, but we're only halfway through the season. I'm not sure when Bowman would be expected back. He was injured. Was that week three? Yes. And they said six to eight weeks. You know, I don't know. I think they just said several. I don't know if I ever saw an official. I think we're kind of, I think we're assuming that six to eight. Maybe that's, maybe that's wrong though. Sure. Sorry about the dog collar. Stinking dog. Um, Yeah. If it's four weeks, that means he would be out another week. Um, No, no, because this would be week seven. Assuming it was a four-week injury, he could be back next week. Um, anything after that, though, it's like, well, it's halfway through the season already. You've had Duffy for three games. So I don't know. I still think I would prefer to redshirt him and just continue to roll with Duffy. I, I think so, too. I'm I'm hesitant to, to bring him back. And selfishly, part of the reason is because last year, his first game back after his first injury was in Iowa State. And it was pretty bad, and so I don't know. Well, I don't know. So I'm not saying that that's going to. That's what would happen this time. Sure, and 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 to his defense, though, like Texas Tech has struggled, especially with Kingsbury, the offense has struggled with the Iowa State defense. So sure. Bowman coming I mean, back and struggling against Iowa State, it could have been injury related. Him coming back, it also could have been we just hadn't figured it out yet. Yep. There's there's a lot of things in there that <laughs> my point is probably really not that great of a point. Apex Ariel said it clearly was a fumble, but I'm not sure illegal snap is reviewable. And that's a good point. I don't know if you could go back and and 
and look at that play again. I know there are a lot of people that said that the replay official was calling down everything. I, I said that earlier in this episode. I don't, I don't know if it's a reviewable play. I, I would tend to think it's not, but that just goes to so like it was missed on the field when it shouldn't have been. Um, and I'm not sure what they saw to initiate that kind of call. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to point out was I wished it had been a penalty you could accept or decline. Yeah, I, I, that that's a good point. Because um, obviously Tech would have, oh, no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. We will decline that penalty. We'll the, take the fumble. Yeah, we don't want the legal snap with the fumble. Um, because when Matt Rule tried to get a delay of game to back the field goal kicker up, Texas Tech said, no, you're going to kick it from where you're at. And then he had that really sly grin on his face looking at Matt Wells. He's like, did you expect us to give you the the five extra yards and an easier kick? <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, uh, that's a good point. I don't like you would think if it was a penalty, Texas Tech would have had the opportunity to have declined it. But there, there may be other instances where and it, I, obviously I'm talking way out of how much I know about some of this stuff. I think a legal motion and, and um, maybe 12 men on the field and there's stuff like that. I guess, I guess uh, where you have to blow the ball dead, maybe those you don't necessarily, maybe you don't get the chance to accept or decline those. Those are just enforced. But my, 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 my opinion would be that like, if you get, if there's a penalty, like majority of the time you, you would accept those. Right. Um, but in this instance, I mean, when it actually, the penalty actually hurts the team, like when it, the penalty helps the team it was called against, like that seems like it, an opportunity that the, the other team should have had a say in that. Yeah. I think tech benefited from that on a pass interference call earlier in the game. Uh, one of tech's receivers caught the ball, further downfield than had they accepted the pass interference penalty that was committed on that receiver. I mean that, you know, you always take what's going to give you the most uh, net yardage. And a lot of times that not a lot, but some quite a bit of the time it includes declining a penalty. And I just thought, well, if I don't know enough about the rules to know why this wouldn't be considered uh, something that you could just decline. I'll have to ask my my official friend and see if he, the, the the twenty three personnel official official, yeah, and and see what he has to say about like a dead ball penalty or if Tech had the opportunity to accept or decline it, if we accepted it and didn't realize that there was a potential fumble, or maybe the way right, was, yeah, maybe it was too fast, you know, or maybe the way it was it was presented that it was do you want to accept or decline these five yards. And not, hey, if you decline this, you get the ball. All right. Um, James Romaine, has this program hit reset on our expectations for the season? Anything less than six and six would be a huge disappointment, in my opinion. No, because um, that's where I was before the season started. I was looking at five and seven. Yeah, and and losing close games, like you could lose a bunch of close games and still end up five and seven and not really feel that much better about it. Uh, I mean, m- maybe you you have confidence that those close games would would go in your favor in subsequent seasons. Um, 
I mean, outside of the Oklahoma State game, like basically all the games that you were supposed to win, you've won. All the games you were technically supposed to have lost, you've lost. Um, I mean, I guess if, if you want to flip the, like losing the Arizona game, which you were kind of pro- projected to have won that game with Oklahoma State, you're basically even with where you should be. Um, I, I think you've looked better than expected so far. Um, and maybe this, this question has more to do with like the rest of this, the conference um, after week seven than it was after week two or three because we thought Kansas State was legit. TCU still hasn't been able to figure out a quarterback thing. Um, Iowa State looks like their offense without David Montgomery and Alan Lazard. Can't move the ball or Hakeem Butler. Um, can't move the ball r- regularly, reliably. Um, and I, I'm, I'll just, I'll, I'll be a broken record on this and say, you just have to prove me wrong. You have to show me that you're going to do it. Um, Cooper Burnett, am I crazy thinking we finish five and one? Michael, you want to talk about that one for a second? You know, I don't think you, I don't think you're crazy. Uh, you know, eight wins does sound crazy, but like we just were talking about the, you know, tech has a good chance in, uh, you know, the, the Texas game is kind of the most daunting one, but I'm still, I am still unsure how good Texas is, uh, you know, excluding today, their best game was a loss against LSU. And I think and, today's game for Texas could have been a whole lot worse had Oklahoma taken advantage of those early turnovers and scored. Sure. You know, they could have gone in a half, 21, 24, 3. Texas has a really solid front seven. Um, you know, they've, they were able to take advantage of some rare, rare Jalen Hurts missteps today. Well, actually, I don't they really didn't take advantage of it. They just caused them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, like the ones we rattled off, TCU, Kansas State, West Virginia, Kansas. Um, I know I'm missing another one. So you have Iowa State, Kansas, Iowa West State, Virginia, duh. TCU, Kansas State, Texas. As you, you were saying, about any one of those, I mean, maybe not Texas. That's the one that you would have to convince me the most right now. And Iowa State's going to be tough here, even though it's in Lubbock. But but the more you can talk the, me into the the closer we get to that, the more I'm thinking like their offense doesn't scare me. No. No, Brock Birdie's their leading rusher. Like, what what scared how Iowa State was able to find their success the past few seasons is they they paired their really staunch defense with David Montgomery and Alan Lazard, Hakeem Butler. Right? They don't have any of that production. Like you said, Brock Purdy's their leading rusher, and that's not their offense. Their offense isn't a quarterback option team. The only offense that scares me on the schedule is Texas. Everybody else, I think you should have a pretty significant advantage with your defense playing the way it is over everybody else's offense. Yeah, so five and one, I think obviously it's it's a, a possibility. I mean, so is it six and zero? Oh? I don't know if it's. If I don't it's know if it's if if you should plausible. Be, yeah, or if you should be, um, you know, completely rattled that it doesn't happen, but. But yeah, it's 
after these past two games, looking at the final six games on this season, I'm a lot more confident in five and one today. Had you said, you know, give me, give me your confidence level on five and one, then I would have been two weeks ago or three weeks ago, six weeks ago, whatever it is. Oh yeah. I'm right there with you. Yep. Now I may be setting myself up for disappointment. Like it happened today during the game. You go into the game thinking you're going to lose it. You get close, you're winning, you had a good shot at winning, and then you end up losing it. At this point in the season, you may be doing the same thing. Like we could we could win five of the next six games and finish eight and four. And then when that doesn't happen, you're disappointed. Um, when in you know, reality you were expected to go five and seven or six and six. So I don't yeah, know. And you, you're, you're, and you can not, even talk yourself into this. You're the three teams you've lost to have a combined one loss right now. Yeah. I mean, that's that you you can kind of, yeah, you could talk yourself into it. You know, the, the uh, Arizona's only loss was that crazy game in Hawaii game one of week zero, but they're four and one right now. And they're about to play Washington really late tonight. And um, of course, OU is undefeated and Baylor's undefeated. So there's you've you've played decent teams that you've lost to, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel happy, but it does give you some a little bit of uh, hope going into this last half of the season, especially with the Big Twelve kind of in turmoil like it is, where OU's just light years above everybody, even Texas, and Texas is. I I don't see how I mean I, I think they'll lose to some other Big Twelve team. I'm just not sure who it's going to be. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. It, it, it's hard to see that loss, but they haven't played Baylor yet. That's true. Or us. <laughs> Speak it into existence. Sorry, I was trying to do some, some quick math too. Um, Matt Turney, why do we watch football? Why do we even do this to ourselves? I'll hang up and listen. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I felt like I was fairly removed from the game. One, I, I thought we had, we had a long shot of winning the game. Uh, we were predicted to lose by double digits. I even was mostly okay with not watching the game on time. I, I had a, a, school thing for Grayson to go to at, at, at three o'clock. So I didn't start the game till a little after four. Um, and then I got sucked into the game and now I feel like crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, um, it's just the nature of it. The nature of the old pigskin. It brings out the best in people. It brings out the worst in people sometimes. And it, uh, it sure is a, I don't know if I'd say fun way, but it's an interesting way to pass the time in the fall. Especially if you're impartial. Like if you're watching, that's what's great for me about the NFL, especially these last couple of years. That, uh, as much as I like to see Mahomes win, I don't have my my hopes and dreams tied to the Kansas City Chiefs franchise. I'm not really too worried about that. But so watching NFL, I can kind of just enjoy it for the most part watching college for the most part, I can enjoy it except for tech games and, you know, games that impact tech's favor or standing or ranking or whatever that may be. 
those I can get involved in. So I, th- I think the, the tech games, of course, are the hardest ones to endure. But then you've got to look at the bright side of all the other games you get to watch that are just like if you wanted to, to tune into that game I just mentioned randomly at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, watch Washington versus Arizona tonight, that would be fun. That might just be something you got no stake in it. It's just kind of interesting. You're familiar with Arizona because you've watched them play once. Not necessarily rooting for them, but there's a, there's a give and take there. And you've, you've just got to hope that you know the team you root for is going to win more than it loses, and we're still hoping we get there. Yeah. All right, Michael. Appreciate the final thoughts. Um, we will regroup and get back together this week to look ahead and prepare for the game homecoming this weekend versus Iowa State. Um, for Michael, I'm Spencer. We will see you on the next one. <laughs>